kindness towards us. We embrace you tonight. We bless you for the refreshing that comes from your presence. We honor you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for our time together in your presence. We bless you and we praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats, please. Amen. Amen. Are you guys having a good week? Yes. <laughs> Praise God. Let's just jump right quickly to tonight's session. I'm going to be... Uh, let, let's read from Psalms 139, verses 13 through, the, through 16. Anybody has it in a New Living Translation? You can just read it out. New Living Translation, NLT. Psalms 139, verses 13 through 16. And I'm just going to be going over the message from last Sunday. Uh, Pastor Bakari was here with us, and he ministered on your story did not begin with you. I just want us to talk about that a little bit tonight. Your story did not begin with you. So the text is Psalms 139, verses 13 through 16. Does anybody have that in NLT? Just... New Living Translation. Where's the mic? Yeah, thank you. Wait, wait for the mic. Thank you. Verse 13. Yes. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body okay. and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You washed me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment laid out before a single day had passed. All right. So that verse 16 again says, can you read that verse 16 one more time, please? You saw me before I was born. Wait a minute. So he saw us before we were born. Right. Amen? Next. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every day of our lives, before we were ever born, was recorded in his book. Not just some days, every day. Go ahead. Every moment was laid out. Wait, 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 wait. Not only did he record every day, every moment, every moment. Now, how many moments make a day? How many moments make a week? How many moments make a month? And yet God is saying to us, before you got here, even every moment of your life, he already has it in his hand. Whoa. Now, that is, that is, that is huge. Now, that being the case, he made several statements, several statements on Sunday morning. I just want to pull out one and so, so for us to address this evening. One of the statements he made was that if your life is God-given, then your dream must be God-governed. And from a passage we just read in Psalms 139 verse 16, it is obvious that our lives were God-given. And so, the statement that was made, if our lives are God-given, therefore our dreams must be God-governed, it comes to play. So the question tonight is, is every life lined up with Psalms 139 verse 16? <laughs> okay. Maybe you should read that verse one more time. So the question I'm asking is, the question I'm asking tonight is, is every human being... Okay, let me, let me back up. Let me back up. When Psalms 139, 16 says he has every day of our life recorded, is, just, is that just the born-again believer or every, believer, every, every person on earth? Every human being. Every human being. Thank you. Man, you guys are great scholars. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> every human being. Good. That being the case, does every human being's life line up with that verse? <laughs> uh, 
Okay, who are the who are the yes? Let me see the yes. Okay, so for the yes, can you define your position? Why or how do you see each person's life? Now remember, each person, not just believers. That includes Charles Minson. That includes Osama bin Laden. That includes Al Capone. That includes name whoever. So the question I'm asking is, if you say that all of those lives line up with God's plan and intention, can you defend that position? His word is set in stone, which means there's no lie about that. If he said that everybody's life was already set from the beginning of time, then we cannot doubt that. Okay. So just because we made some decisions that are contrary to maybe how some of us might see that life should be going, okay. doesn't mean that the word, of, the, God is not the word true. of God is not true. Okay, maybe, let, I hear you. And then, okay, go ahead, finish. The other side of this is, yes. just because somebody has done something wrong does not mean that the plan of God for, I would say, the life in general is still not going to come to pass, right? Because it takes one person to change the course of what somebody is supposed to be doing okay. in what God has written. Okay. So sometimes we have to have people do bad things just so that other people can start the good work that is <laughs> wow. <laughs> so so let, let, let me just mess with you. So you have to have some Republicans so you can have some Democrats. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow, that's interesting. Maybe I did not ask the question correctly. Or maybe my question was not pointed enough. Because I hear where you're coming from. And from your perspective, if God said it, it is so. What I'm trying to get at is, even though God sets the parameters and all the things, good things for us, are there, are there people that's not living up to that, that expectation? Okay. Okay, so... <laughs> so, so does, does that, do you understand what I'm saying now? But your question, your answer is still the same. Okay, all right, good, all right. So is there anybody that says no, no to that, to that question? Yes. You say no to that question? I said no. Okay, please, let me, let me defend your position. Okay, well, wait for the mic, wait for the mic. Wait for the mic. You <laughs> had said earlier that life given by God yes. must be life governed. Yes. So God gives, but is he governing that life? Okay, good question. So that's good. why I said okay. no. All right, good. You have something, ma'am? Give her the mic. The mic. I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but I remember reading, and I believe it's in the book of Genesis, where God created good and evil. Everything that was created was created by God. Without him, nothing was made. Yeah. So the evil mind even. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. I hear you. And I, and you know, and I don't know if that yeah. fits into this. Okay, good. That's that's a good point. That's a good point. Now, okay, uh, he wants to get the, let, let Mike get to you. Yeah. We always take the worst that people can do, right? Yes. Let's not go a little bit that far. Yeah. Let's come back to something that we can probably think that is a little thing, right? Yeah. When. Joseph was sold. Yes. If we look at his brothers, we say that they did something bad, right? Yes. But do we believe that if Joseph was never sold, he would have become the person that he became? <laughs> my, my answer is yes. But I know where you're going. I, I hear you loud and clear. But my answer is Everything yes. Everything that he went through was yes. a preparation for him to yes. be who he was destined to be. If, if what you say, oh my gosh, we don't have enough time to, 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 to milk where you're going. But let me hear, I hear you loud and clear, but <laughs> yes, go ahead, LT. It was more of a, of a response, I guess more of a question. Yeah. Because I'm really, I don't think I'm really clear on what you're asking. Okay. But, um, but like, say for instance for Joseph. Yeah. Did Joseph become the, the type of person he was because he was sold? 
or um, you're onto something. Or um, what is the other way of asking? Um, or or, 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 or when it was sold, manifested what was in him. Right. I mean, it's, I, I don't think that God wants us to do bad, even if He did create it. He wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to do good. But because of evil in the world is what makes those things happen. Okay. That's good. So that's Let's go back to that text. In Psalms 139 verse 13. The beginning of those verses in verse 13. Read it from any other translation. Anybody? Verse, yeah, go ahead, Colin. Good. Yes. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Hold it right there. What did God make first? The inner delicate part of your body. King James crosses the reins. R-E-I-N-S. The point here being God always begins from the inside. And it manifests on the outside. Our salvation is always from the inside out, not outside in. So you must understand that. Now, back to the question or to uh, what I threw out there. It is true that God's plan for every mankind is pre-ordered, pre-ordained, recorded, moment by moment by moment. But as Dr. Bakari said on Sunday, if the, if our life is God-given, or rather, if our dream is God-given, then it must be God-governed. So the issue here is, just as God wishes that all mankind be saved, is all mankind going to be saved? No. No. So in some ways, we can almost say that God does not always get what he wants. Now, I say that with... with with reservation, because that's hard to say that the God of the universe will not get what he wants. He says it very clearly. He says, I wish that all, that no one will perish. That's his desire, that's his wish, but it doesn't always happen. Why? The reason it does not always happen is because God gives man a free will. We're not robots. By the way, robots are doing some incredible things these days. <laughs> No, seriously. Just came back. I, I've thought that Pierre will really love this. Just came back through uh, Seoul, South Korea, and they had robots on the airport just moving up, up and down the terminal. I mean, with throngs of people in the terminal, it will never negotiate its way, won't run into anybody. I said, this is crazy. I mean, nothing is this tall. You get lost, you stop to him, say, well, I need to go to gate. I'm looking for a flight to Atlanta. He will tell you where the gate is, where to go. Robot. So, so I, don't, I don't know where this world is leading to. I don't know what's going to happen in 10 years from now. But the point is, we are not robots. God desires goodness for everybody. Everybody. Uh, Revelation, can you hand out those things that the... the that, let, let me just... We, we're going to... Yeah. Now, there is a way in which God takes the mistakes we make. Fourth chapter. Actually, I'm going to need just one tonight, Revelation. Yeah, I'm going to need just the one. That's all right. <laughs> there's a way in which God. There's a way in which God takes our mistakes and uses them for His glory. He does that. He's able to do that, and He does that. Okay. So, in the handouts that I gave you, just look at the four-chapter gospel only. Forget the two-chapter. One that says four-chapter gospel. There are four circles in this four-chapter gospel. Four circles. Okay? The leftmost circle is the one we are dealing with tonight. That's the one that talks about creation. The leftmost circle in the handout that you have on the four chapter gospel. I don't have time to go through all the four chapter gospel because I don't want to get caught up in that tonight. But essentially what we're saying is 
These four circles represent the cycle of God's plan for mankind. The cycles of God's plan for mankind from the beginning to the end. So circle number one is the creation. You should be looking at the four chapter gospel. The one that says the four chapter gospel. Okay? So circle number one should be the creation. Circle number two represents the fall of mankind. Circle number three, which is right, represents the redemption of mankind. And circle number four, the restoration of all things. Okay? Now, our focus and emphasis will be on circle number one, the creation. Creation represents things as they were, past tense. The second circle, the four, represents things as they are. And it's for Circle number three, the redemption, represents things as they could be, the potential that we have. And circle number four, the restoration, represents things as they will be, future tense. Future tense. You get that? Four faces, four chapters, four levels, whatever you want to call it. But the emphasis tonight is number one, the creation. Psalms 139, verse 13 through 16, confirms that at creation, when God made man in his own image, everything man will need, everything that man will everything that, that, can, that will enhance man's lifestyle, God put into creation. So not only do we read this in the Ephesians, um, in Psalms 139, we see this in the book of 2 Timothy. We see this in the book of Ephesians. So let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. If anybody would just read it out for me. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Yeah, that Sunday was very encouraging. Second Timothy chapter, nine, chapter 1, verse 9. Verse 9, there. Yeah. Second Timothy 1, 9. Yes. Yes. It did this not because we deserved it, okay. but because this was his plan from before the beginning of time. Watch. Wait a minute. It is because what? This was his plan. From before the beginning of time. This is an exact confirmation of Psalms 139 verse 16. This is his plan. Jeremiah tells us that God, we know that God, uh, 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 God has a plan for us, not of evil, but to bring us to an expected end. So we see there is consistency. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says the same thing. Now, what is the reason for which mankind is not able to live out the things that God's recorded, God's plan, and God's ordained? We've settled, we've resolved the fact that we know that God has ordained, recorded every day of your life, every moment, and they're all good. We resolve that. We've also said that we know, we know that there are some who are not living up to this standard. Why is that? Come on, guys. All of you guys were uh, scholars. Pardon me? The free will? Okay. What controls that free will? You're correct. But what, what drives the free will? The will? Flesh. That's good, but that's another word for it. Secretion is unbelief. Yes, that's another word for it. Unbelief. That's another word for it. Sin! This is the point. If you go back to this chart, the four chapter gospel, look at circle number two. The four. On top, above there on the four, sin separates mankind from God. And if you look in that circle, you see that there's a barrier. There's a line drawn toward man. Do you see it? That's the problem. 
Every gift. Okay, James says, every good gift and every perfect gift, they come from above. Correct. Including Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kenneth Walker, okay, no problem. Lionel Messi, Maradona. <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm not. <laughs> Get me behind me. <laughs> Every good gift. How about our friends? Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Hey. That's our PS, our reverend. <laughs> Every good gift. I'm going somewhere. People may not use the gift to glorify God. They may never use their gift to glorify God, but it does not tamper with the fact that the gift originally came from God. If the gift is doing any good, the Bible says every good gift. And every perfect gift, they come from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither the shadow of turning. Now, what you do with the gift is a different thing. But the origin of it, okay, case in point, we just had a praise and worship. Music. Who is the most anointed cherub? Lucifer. Who anointed him? God. So the point here is, this is where it, brings, it comes home to all of us. Whether you're born again or not. Creation, God packaged all of us. He has a plan. He told Jeremiah, before you were born, I knew you. Before you came out of your mother's womb, I already ordained you. So his ordination was not when he grew up and started preaching. No, he was ordained before he was ever born. And that's not just him. It's for all of us. God sent all of us here with a mission. And with that mission, he gave us gifts to accomplish that mission. Every one of us. But the issue is, when man fell, man became separated from God and therefore sin became the barrier that impedes the progress or the manifestation of whatever God has planned for all of our lives. Did you get it? Sin is a barrier. This is the reason some people that are gifted cannot use the gift for girl. Because they've sinned. All, right, all of us have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory. There's no good. No, not one. Romans tells us. So everybody. From the fall of man, sin separated God, or rather man, from God. Now, sin did not separate God from man. But separated man from God. Do you understand that? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let, let me back up. Tell me, show me how you understand it. Tell me your understanding of that. Agape love, unconditional love. Yes. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. God loves us unconditionally. Not just us as believers. For God so loved the world. That is huge. Our mind cannot grasp that. Because you and I look at love. If you love me, I love you back. But when you don't love me, I'm going to show you who I am. God is not like that. For God so loved the world. Okay, so because of his love, you are right. Even though we sin, he is not removed from us. But as humans, when we sin, we feel ashamed, we feel guilty, we feel condemned, and therefore, shame, guilt, and condemnation 
does not allow us to see the presence of God. He's not gone anywhere. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Behold, I'm with you until the end of the ages. It's not going anywhere. And the scripture for that, the example in the Bible for that is when Cain killed Abel, who made the move? It was God that reached out to him and said, man, what happened? In fact, you can back up before that. When Adam sinned, it was God that took the initiative. Now, the message there for you and I is when your brother sins against you or your husband or your wife or your children, the same thing applies. The same thing applies. You cannot say your child or your husband or your wife has done something wrong and because they are wrong, you, are, you, cro- you draw the line and you're waiting for them to come back and apologize. You can't do that, but that is ungodlike. Because God is not like that. The bigger of the two of you make the initiative. Whoever says they are more spiritual. Miss Megan, I see your face there. What's, what's going on with you? you okay, all right. I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just make sure. Okay? So sin is what separates us from God. And sin is the barrier for me living out what God has recorded in my life from day to day, from moment to moment. Now, let's, let's bring it home. So you and I are born again. So when we become, this is the reason Jesus came. Jesus came so he can bridge the barrier between God and man. He came to remove the sin issue, to resolve the sin problem. He became sin for us. So that as a result of his righteousness, you and I can become righteous. So in that moment, that bridge is, is taken, I mean, that barrier is breached. We no longer have a barrier. However, so like a, unlike the unbeliever, you and I do not have the sin barrier to hinder us or impede us from living at God's given life. Yet still though, we know that we have issues. And this is where the rubber beats the road tonight. So you and I do not have the barrier of the unbeliever. The sin issue, S-I-N, sin, the sin nature, the power of sin. We don't have that barrier any longer because, thank goodness, the sacrifice and the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. He set us free from that. However, we still live with the barrier of sins. S-I-N-S. Do you see the difference? Yes. Yes. Let's go to some scriptures to just help us understand. Um, John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I want to encourage you when you're reading scriptures, try to read it in context because it helps to, to really make the point. Now, John chapter 4 is preceded by John chapter 3, right? Yeah. What was the major theme of John chapter 3? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever what believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting eternal life. So John chapter 4. I'm not going to read the passage, but you can read that when you get home. Jesus encounters a woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. Okay? And in verse... Where's verse? Is verse 18? Okay. Look at verse 29. John 4, 29. Come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? For this woman at the well, that the turning point for her 
was the encounter where Jesus read her mail. So for her, the barrier to believing was having a conversation where her life or her circumstance was addressed specifically. That's what she was in her journey. In John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery. Her barrier in that passage was shame. Shame. She found herself in a situation and she was being shamed by the community. Drug her to the Lord Jesus Christ. This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. And what did Jesus do? He covered her shame. I do not condemn you, but go and sin no more. You look in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus gives a parable, talks about a man who was so big on his possession, and this guy could not see the kingdom of God because of possession. So this is the point. For you and I, the sin nature has been resolved. But many of us still deal with barriers. And those barriers do not allow us to manifest what God has already recorded, what is written in our lives on a daily basis from moment to moment. For some of us, it's busyness. We are so busy, and the busyness becomes a barrier. It becomes an impediment to walking in what God has ordained for us. Others of us, is possession. We are possessed with a mindset of possessing. And because our entire life or mind is so saturated with the issue of possessions, even though God has written about moment to moment, day to day, we are not able to see what God has written because all we see is possessions. Some of us is work. Now, mind you, all of these things are not evil in and of themselves. Possession is immoral. It's not evil. It's, good or bad. it's not good or bad. It depends on what you do with it. Walking is a good thing to, to, to you know, it's, it's good to, to walk. But if work consumes you to the point where you cannot commune with God, then you have a problem. It's a barrier. It could be work. It could be business. It could be family. It could be any number of things. Now, Psalms 139 verse 16, 2 Timothy 1 9, Ephesians 1 4 will come to pass to the degree that we understand the reason for our creation. I don't know if you guys heard me. What God has planned, what is recorded, what He has planned from moment to moment in our lives will come to pass to the degree that we understand the reason for our creation or the reason for our existence. What's that reason? Why do we exist? Does anybody know that? Pardon me? To bring in pleasure. Very good. How do we bring in pleasure? Hmm? It's close, but that's not it. To worship him, close. Pardon me? Bring men and women to his kingdom. It's close, but not. See, all of those things are attributes of the main thing. We are created to commune with him. Fellowship. 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 Winning souls is not impo as important as fellowship with God. Now, I know when I say that, someone say, <laughs> just hear me out. Do you not know that you can be winning souls for God and you are yet lost? Is that not what he said in Matthew chapter 7? You prophesy my name. You do miracles in my name. And I'm going to say, depart from me. You workers of iniquity. I know you not. Because that's not what he's after. Now, he wants souls to be one. 
Absolutely. That's a great commission. That's what we are about. But he does not want me and you to put the cart before the horse. In Exodus 25, in verse, well, from verse 8, he said, let them build me a sanctuary. Why? That I may dwell among them. What's the reason of dwelling among us? Fellowship. This is a God as a God of the universe. He's already a God of all the heavens and the earth. And he told Israel, you know what? Even though I, I live in heaven, build me a house. So I can come from heaven and come and live in the house and be with you. I want to be around you. Do you know what happens when we watch Super Bowl here together? We come together. I mean, you have TV in your house. I have a TV in my house. Everybody has TVs. There's nobody in America that does not have a television. <laughs> Yet, when it's the NBA Finals, Super Bowl, I mean, all of we want to come together. Why is that? Because for some reason, we enjoy, just come back, wow, look at that guy, look at the touchdown, look at that. I mean, we just back and forth and back and forth to one another. Because there's something about fellowship, about communion, that just edifies, builds up, you have much more fun. So God is saying, you know what, I don't want to just be in heaven by myself. Build me a house, and I'm going to come and dwell among you. And they build a house, bang, and they came. We have a better deal today. He dwells among them. Today, Paul tells us he dwells in-house. So it's not just among us, it's in-us. But I want to submit to you that God is the most neglected human being on the face of the earth. Because even though he dwells in-us, we totally ignore him. He has a plan for the day. He has a plan moment by moment, day by day, but we say, forget your plan. I've got my own plan. Anything we do, work, possession, family, sports, whatever we do, as long as it's born out of relationship, it's great. But when I'm doing those things, without the relationship and the fellowship, it's a disaster. It's a barrier. All of those things become barriers if it does not stem out of fellowship. That's why in Mark chapter 3, the Bible says he called his disciples to be with him. Fellowship. And then in verse 14, he sent them out to preach. That's the correct order. They were with him. And then when he went out to preach, they were saying what they carried from him. So if I have the correct order, I will understand where to put possession. I will understand where to put work. I will understand where to put business. I will understand where to put family. I will understand where to put husband, wife, children. But if I get those things out of sync, I'm in trouble. Does it make any sense? Yes. Any questions? Yes. So Psalms 139, 16 is accurate. But it does not become a reality in everybody's life because a God-given life must be governed by God. The only way God can govern that dream in your life is because he is driving it through the fellowship and the communion you're having with him. So for us as believers, our barrier is not the sin nature. It's the acts of sin. The things we do. And anything that's not of faith, the Bible says it's sin. Ooh, that's, a, that's, that's it's a very short scripture, but that's powerful. Whatsoever is not of faith. Did, did you get that? It doesn't matter what it is. If it's not God, if it's just my own mental, fleshly choice, carnal choice, it's already the same. Any questions? Yes. 
barriers. Okay, my answer to that is very simple. Honesty. Being honest with myself. I don't believe there's any human being in this room right now. If I ask you, how is your relationship with God, your communion with God? We all know the answer. I don't think it's a deep thing. Is it, is it deep? How much God's presence do you carry? How much God awareness are you carrying on a minute by minute? And, and, and the clues are so easy. You drive from here, you get home. Do you say, Father, I thank you for getting me back home. You're going to work in the morning. Father, thank you for another day. I mean, listen, it's, it's very simple. If, if we are really, to, I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? It's not a deep thing. Whatever it is that's inhibiting your ability to commune. Okay, husband and wife. Even when it's not spoken or expressed, when your husband is mad or your wife, you know it. How do you know it? How do you, you, you know it. You, you know something's going on. You may not know precisely, exactly, but you know something's happening. If in a human relationship it is that obvious, you think the spirit is multiple? No, it's not. So if I'm going and going and going and going, I'm not stopping to keep my thoughts on Christ, talking to him, and uh, inviting him into every decision-making process, I, 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 there's no communion. There's no communion. So at that point, what I need to do is, Holy Spirit, help me. I know I'm running, I'm running helter-skelter, I'm running all over the place. Help me to be more God-controlled, to be more aware of your presence in my life, to help me to develop that communion. Once you are doing that, you are already starting. Because all he wants is you to talk to him. So when we say relationship with God or fellowship with God, let me define that. We are not saying you should be a monk and go to the monastery. No, seriously, that's thinking. No, that's not what God is after. He says, let them build me a house that might dwell about. What happens when you dwell together? You talk to one another, you eat together. You fellowship, you watch movies, you do things together. God said, listen, include me in your plans. Factor me in your life, in your daily lifestyle. Don't make me become just a, a, a firehouse. If fire is born in the house, call the fire, call the fire department. That's once in five years. Your house may never catch fire. It doesn't want to be just, just be a firehouse. It wants to be involved intimately in your daily lifestyle. And it is from those moments of intimate dealings, directions come. Go over here. Do this. Call this person. Invest here. That's how, that's how it happens. And that's when it's planned. The moment by moment, day by day, that is ordained, that's how it comes to pass. He told Moses, Exodus 22, I mean, Exodus 25, verse 8, let them build me a house or a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. In verse 22, he says, here at the mercy seat, at the throne of grace, I will speak to you concerning what I want to do. Moses had to walk physically to the place to hear God. You and I carry him inside of us. So you don't have to go anywhere. Lay in your bed and commune with him. 
the deep calling upon a deep. Ah, God, you've been so good to me today. Look at what you've accomplished through me. Without you, Father God, I can't be here. This is incredible. What a marvelous thing. You are so wonderful. You just come in with him. There might be 30 people in the room with you. You are lost. Because you are keyed in on him. And out of that fellowship, he himself, because he delights in that, it begins to download things in your spirit, man, that you have no idea was there or was possible. And that's how your life can be lined up. So to your question, it's just a matter of doing, a, you know, it's not a big deal. We, we, we just assess ourselves. We evaluate ourselves. We just see, where am I? How careless am I? You just running around and think I have my day in my, my control. You don't. Yes, dear. <laughs> now you're connected. <laughs> Even though we pray, we yes. have our devotion. Yes. Uh, we may do some a worship. Yes. That's what the scripture says. You just be, you, you, you allow your thought to be filled with his presence. You just allow your thought to be filled. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, 3. It says, if you be risen with Christ, then you set your mind on things above and not the things on the earth. So you allow your mind, your thought, to just be, it's not that you are praying, praying, praying. You, you, yes, you pray, you have your devotion time, you have a quiet time. But for the rest of the time, you just allow your mind to be saturated with his presence. You look at this guy and say, you say, man, God, you are awesome. Look at how blue this guy is today. The expanse of the firmament is your dwelling place. And yet you care about me. I mean, just, just allow, allow the little things, what we call the little things, to just point you back to God. And for us parents, th those things are great. We, we, we find the, uh, what I call the, uh, the, 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 the learning course for our children. They get a little ice cream or something extra. You help them direct that blessing or that thing back to God who's the giver. And thereby begin to train their thinking. They got new pair of shoes. Or they make a good grade in school. Don't just don't say you made a A, you did a good job. No. Or help them to say, man, you did a good because God is helping you. That's how they begin to develop the God consciousness. That's what we're talking about. The God consciousness in everything around us. Everything that, we, that comes into our possession. And I'm telling you from there, lives are going to be, you're going to begin to see manifestations. That's what it wants. As you begin to develop a God
And then when you fast, it has a meaning. But if I'm fasting apart from the word, I'm wasting my time. You're on diet. <laughs> Amen? Let's go home. Praise God. Any other questions? Father, we just want to thank you tonight. For the simplicity of your word towards us. We bless you because we know that you we know the plans that you have for us. Plans of peace and not of evil. To bring us to an expected end. We thank you because we know you have ordained our lives. You've numbered our days. You've planned every day and every moment. And so, Father God, whatever the barrier tonight that impedes our progress, that impedes our manifestation, we cast them down. We thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus who was sent to be a bridge. We receive that bridge right now that you dwell in us so you can live through us. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, we release ourselves to you. We are mindful of the fact that we should acknowledge you in all of our ways. So you, God, can direct our path based on your God-given dream. We acknowledge you tonight. And as we go home, we thank you for joining Moses. We commit our homes to you, our husbands, our wives, our children, our brothers, our sisters, the works of our hand, our jobs, the marketplace, whatever, wherever we find ourselves, we commit them all to you tonight. Thank you that you cause us to prosper, to glorify you in whatever and everything we do. We honor you tonight, Father. Get the glory, the honor, and the praise. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're going to create a hunger for those that do Written our hearts and give us, giving us the appetite for your righteousness. We honor you, we bless you. Get the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your time. Praise God.